will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Wishing you a seasonal and most slippery welcome. Now, as ever, we want you to know that should you require fixing, you can contact us on wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com and fixing will ensue. Oh yes. Now, today, for the fixing, I am joined by Ms. Lucy Boys, the secret fondler of Her Majesty's Corgi. <laughs> Mr. Dave Condry, the head clown at the Moscow State Circus. Da. And I, as ever, am Roger Hart, worryingly elastic. Today's question is, of course, seasonally appropriate as Lupercalia approaches. Now, I know there are some people that talk about Valentine's Day, but we all know what the state policy is on that. Don't we? Today's question comes from an anonymous questioner. Let me just read it to you. I've got a problem. A promising start. I'm a terrible human being who has somehow managed to trick a nice person into getting into a relationship with me. It's been the best part of a decade now, but I'm concerned that sooner or later he's going to notice what an awful excuse for a human I am and leave. Usually in this situation, I'd manacle him to a radiator in the basement and let Stockholm Syndrome do its work. But in this instance, there are two problems. One, I don't currently have a basement. Two, he's the main breadwinner in our household and his incarceration would seriously impair our quality of life. Can you help? Anonymous. Now this, our most romantic question, I think follows a pattern that we've seen quite a bit before. Which is to say that there's more than one problem here and a suggestion of a solution baked into the question. Realistically, anonymous questioner, this is about your fear. Projecting this idea that you don't deserve a partner, that you're a terrible human being. Well, well, well let's, let us assume that you are, that they don't know this and will flee. And I'm going to suggest the most horrifying thing a human being can be asked to do, which is just, just a moment's self-reflection, really. Um, it, it, it's not nice, it's not pleasant, but take some consideration of what it is that you feel they might flee and why you feel you might not deserve them. That'll, that'll be, be horrifying. Um, oh gosh, just, just the worst. No, no, don't do that. Um, oh no, fuck, for the love of God, don't find any self-esteem. That's for salesmen, American teenagers, and psychopaths. No, let's, let's concentrate on, um, let's concentrate on the, the solution baked into your problem before it gets too terrifying. Usually in this situation, I'd manacle him to a radiator and so on and so forth. Um, okay, cool. So, maybe they will leave you, I mean. U.S. Census data suggests the average length of marriage ending in divorce is about eight years. The Office of National Statistics in the U.K. puts it at sort of 42% of marriages ending. Peak divorce risk hits the sort of four to eight year range. So yeah, together for nearly a decade, let's, let's go on the journey of imagining this to be a sensible concern. It's not a simple metric. Population trends are complex, but let's assume the worst. And let us also entertain the idea that, um, that consider that this person is, is the main breadwinner. That actually opens up a few options for us. Because um, if they're going to be in the basement, and we'll solve that problem down the line, or if they are going to be just sort of held there, possibly by Stockholm Syndrome, possibly by some other options we're going to explore, 
you're still massively limiting their ability to leave the house, so we're going to need to look at some really solid mod remote working solutions. Um, this is this is very forward-looking. It's quite contemporary. It'll sort of build future skills for the um, the modern uh, the, the, the progressive workplace, and we'll all be doing it when the sea level rises or we need to kind of do web development between nuclear bunkers on remote continents. So you know, remote working is is very in. It's right now. Um, many many services for it. We, so we covered telepresence and robotics in a previous podcast. If you really feel the need to sort of go telepresence, there are solutions ranging from a couple hundred quid to many, many thousands. Not going to cover that again. The crux of remote working really is all about team contact and buy-in. And there are many technological solutions, but the problem is cultural at its core. Um, feeling present and feeling interactive. So Skype's been around forever. IRC, which is what Slack and HipChat basically ape. Um, creating chat rooms and spaces where a team can have that casual in-contact conversation type stuff that um, that sort of makes one feel present. Now I'm presupposing a conventional office environment here. There are times of jobs you could have where this would get a lot harder. Um, you couldn't really do bench science or go coal, down a mine. Coal mining, yeah, yeah remotely. Remote, remote coal mining. You would need the telepresence drone for that. Um, but to just sort of wallow in my own grotesque office working privilege, um, I'm going to look at look at those kinds of thing. Um, Slack is fantastic, free on, on many levels, not that expensive organizationally. Um, creates a workspace where you can chat, pinned messages, things like that. Does voice calls um, and has fun stuff. Fun stuff is important because fun stuff is one of the things you miss out on when a team is co-located. And it sort of really builds a sense of community. So there are things like Giphy or Slackbot. You can set up a bot to auto-respond and to taunt your colleagues. Uh, for example, one Slack channel I, I, I am part of features the auto-response. Remember, Nigel is a bad person who has bad opinions whenever certain things get said. And it's just, you know, little things like that. Bullying, essentially. The soul of a workplace is bullying. Um, you can replicate that in any scriptable system that will enable asynchronous working. So get okay with remote working, find a workplace that down with it. Be okay with being asynchronous, um, a, you know, responding to emails but not necessarily things needing to be immediate. Develop remote working skills. This is going to really, really help when you either induce agoraphobia in him or dig a basement. Now, um, inducing agoraphobia is going to be a little tricky but it is the cheap option. I've costed up some of the basement stuff. Um, Basically, the problem is waterproofing. Like digging a basement is really hard. UK houses, I'm going to assume you're in the UK. If you're in the States, it's a little easier. Um, but Europe, in general, in the UK in particular, very light on basements. Cellar space in some old homes. A lot of water table issues. Yeah. Water table's quite high, soil porous. And there is going to be a lot of fluid coming out of the partner as well. Yeah. That's just inevitable at this yeah. point. Yeah. You don't want a saturated earth situation. It's not good, it's not good. Um, I mean, I reckon, honestly, if you don't want a fancy basement, you want something, a space about the size of a modern, smallish double bedroom, three by four meters, and you're digging that out under a normal house plus getting it surfaced and sorted out, you're looking at thirty to forty thousand pounds. Um, like, the, the soil and geological survey alone is the best part of a ground. There's building regulations to worry about. You don't need planning permission, though. Uh, most basement excavations are fine, especially if they're a conversion of existing space. You just need to make sure you're building regulation compliant. You can find lots of organizations that will um, that will help you. And um, 
take take comfort um, take comfort from the fact that one of the sort of key controversies or kind of talking points or oddities of the Joseph Fritzl case was exactly how he managed to extend the basement so much without anyone noticing. People are fucking oblivious. Got planning permission for the small basement, built a massively larger one. It would have been a phenomenal engineer, well, not phenomenal, a non-trivial engineering undertaking. He was also making his captives do a lot of the digging out, which mm. helps on labour costs. Could, you could do that. I mean, you get a yeah, get get a contracting firm to sort out the sort of original bit of the basement, mm. and then, but. Yeah, he barely got noticed for running a long ongoing incarceration based construction project, and you're going to want something fairly modest by those standards. Mm-hmm. He had like tiny but many rooms, and um, you're going to have fewer children, assuming yeah, you both do yeah. as well. Elaborate security setup. So I, I think, I think you know, you're not going to have a huge problem with sorting this out if you confront the cash. If not, well. You want that person to stay inside. You could manacle them to an existing radiator, but I would strongly recommend either the Stockholm Syndrome you've already mentioned or induced agoraphobia. Um, this is really easy if they have any kind of panic disorder. You just need to kind of try find ways to trigger that in um, either open or very populous spaces. Um, safe retreat, underground, safe retreat, underground. Yes, yes. That's the stuff. Um, but no, just just startle them a lot. When you're out, particularly somewhere around a lot of people, um, start small, just sort of poke them in the ribs, shock them unexpectedly. You could, you could tase them a little bit. Maybe infect them with a disease, something really nasty like norovirus. If every, sort of, if every time they go out anywhere busy, they shed their guts out, they're going to quite soon... Disease associations are quite powerful in building those sort of memories. So um, startling them, maybe a little light violence, but I don't know, that might be further than you want to go, but definitely norovirus. Go with the puking-based option. Plus, it's got that nice retro hark back to aversion therapy, and, you know, I don't like to diddle the classics. More fluids in the basement, though, is the only issue. Ah, but this is this could be the non-basement option, which okay. is the nice thing. So if you, if you don't have the funds or the kind of um, project planning wherewithal mm, to do mm. the basement project, just making them fundamentally not want to leave the house mm. will sort of get the them past some of the not wanting to leave you. Mm. So, you know, I think, I think there's a, there are some options. Tough on the carpet, though. Yeah. And the causes of carpet. Well, I don't know, what, what would be less stressful to the, uh, the fittings and furnishings or require less excavation? I guess not constantly administering diseases or emetics. Fine. Let's hear your suggestions, Mr. Vomitiverse wise guy. I went to the internet for help with this because, you know, this making a relationship last, keeping the spark alive, that sort of thing, it's, it's a universal... Uh, it's a universal human problem. So I figured there must be a load of advice out there already for this. And to be perfectly honest, it's quite twee, um, most of the advice. And it seems to be ignoring some fundamental facts. Um, such as the fact that when humans were really getting started on this planet, they had a lifespan at best of about 37 years. You weren't going to have to stick around with the same person for any particular length of time. You just spawn and then get rolled gently into a river when you fell over and hit your head on something or shat until you stop moving. Mating for um, life is, is not necessarily a big commitment at this point, right? No, no, not in those days. Like in, in, back, in, back in the day, um, and, and even until relatively recently, you could have relied upon your relationship being cut short by a runaway mastodon or a nice 
fashionable war. Crushed to death in a mill. Yeah. And then the other one goes mad and wears black and just spends their days staring out of the attic, gradually becoming a lovely campfire story for local children. Mm, Lording them. Mm. Basically, once again, inflation has fucked us all. Yes. That's true. Yes. So a lot of the advice that I found wasn't really suitable for the modern age where, you know, you can you can live for quite a while. But on the other hand, it really is front-loaded in terms of effort. The chances of them getting away from you as they get more physically and mentally fragile are extremely slim. So while you might feel like, as, as a younger person, you have to put a lot of effort in, it's going to be less and less difficult as time goes on. We are creatures of habit. Exactly. Exactly. Initially, you must resist that, but I think there's a point at which... Give in, slide, A nice, down. comfortable rut will do... A good thing for everyone. You know, I've, I've often thought that most relationships or, you know, the majority of monogamy is really just a kind of aggregate function of the sunk costs fallacy and property prices. We have a nice time for a few years and then we have a compromise for the rest of our lives. Yeah. So one, one piece of advice that came up again and again, and I'll quote one version of it, was think positively about each other, think about each other when you're apart act affectionately towards each other, sharing new and challenging activities, and generally being happy both in your individual and shared lives. Which seems fairly comprehensive. Um, and a lot of the advice, the advice that I found spend, focuses on spending time together with no particular agenda, and removing screens and distractions, uh, so get rid of iPads, get rid of phones, that sort of thing. Take it even further perhaps completely isolate them from the real world tell them the world outside is gone and that the noises they hear and the voices yelled through the letterbox are just hallucinations caused by the demons that scoured our earth in the first place and that if they go out into the street they will be torn to pieces by a horde of sentient warhogs that talk with their mother's voice the only problem there is that you say that they're the breadwinner and that you're going to need money for food. So, as Mr. Hart's already stated, you would need some way of, of gaining work for them. And I think it's going to be harder to convince them that the demons are going to keep paying them for whatever it is they do. So... Except web design. Except demons web design. need a lot of web design. So, channel some of that effort into doing things together. You can either build a murder basement or come up with a plausible and convincing apocalypse... Or you could take the energy that you would need for those things and channel it into finding things to do together, shared interests, trying new things. Fucking like rabbits. Just lots of fucking. Yeah, just just do things. Be engaged and be present. It's good and it's free. Some people did say that you should uh, try exercising together, to which I would only say, fuck that. Oh. And sweaty. There's boys. So, um, I guess if you break the question down to its most sort of fundamental human emotions, there is a man who says he is bad, who has ensnared a man who he says is good, and he wants to keep the good man from realising he's a bad man and running away. So I think the best approach for this is to learn how to be nice. Looks. Now, I consulted WikiHow for instructions on how to be nice. And I'm, I'm gonna pick out a few things that seem salient here. 
everywhere, every single resource you consult about being nice says you've got to smile. The more you do it, the better it is. And this just stacks and stacks and stacks. There's no end to the snacking. So, you know, even when it may not seem strictly situationally appropriate, you know, sorry, your whole family got exploded, ding, smile. Make the ding noise as well. It ding. gives it an old-timey vibe. Yeah, just just keep it up there. Just to, yeah, no, I'm really, really sorry to hear that your wife was eaten by alligators. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Keep smiling. Keep smiling is what I'm saying. One of the other pieces of advice was to introduce yourself to new people. So, you know, it's been, you say it's been 10 years or so, but you want to show him that you're a nice person. So consider introducing yourself to him any time he comes home. You know, the first time you've seen him in a while, if it's been five minutes since one of you spoke, just remind him that you're there, remind him who you are. Can't hurt. Small talk. Small talk is important for seeming nice. Talk to them about things you know that interest them, their friends, their families, their hobbies. You could talk about the weather, stuff you saw on the TV, something you read on the internet. You could even start just pointing at objects you can see and describing them. Honestly, there's no end to the possibilities for small talk. You will be so nice if you just talk and smile all the time. Now, being polite is something that people say makes you seem nice. Say please and thank you and excuse me a lot, even if there's no reason to. Oh, oh, excuse me, excuse me, yes, no, thank you, sir. Oh, oh, please, please. Just, Just keep that up. Keep that up with the smiling and the talking about objects you can see. So far, you are a very nice person. Now, the next piece of advice was don't curse. It did not specify which kind of curses to avoid, so I would say avoid any kind of generic curses, like sentences that begin with, I curse you, and then carry on. Any of the big three from Harry Potter, those are not good curses in your relationship. Stay away from loathly ladies, don't go breaking into ancient tombs, you know, just all of the Mm -hmm. usual kind of curse-related advice. I would say also, not cursing your loved ones probably makes them more likely to stay with you by default. But there aren't any specific prohibitions against binding spells, so you could also investigate those if you want to, you know, make it real tight and cosy at home. Don't curse him. Bind him. Offer to help. That's another important piece of advice. Now, you say you know you feel a little bit useless, he's the breadwinner, but that doesn't mean you need to be useless. Can you do any cooking or shopping? Can you help around the house? Can you join your voice with his in harmony in the depths of winter, singing the song to keep the wasps away? If he's got a bad cold, that might help a lot. If half of him happens to get eaten by roving wolves, could you strap him on your back and haul him around? You know, could it be then that you carried him? Mm. Lots Mm. of opportunities for helping. Use names. Now, apparently using someone's name makes you sound nice rather than horrifyingly creepy. So assuming your gentleman friend is called Bajulian, you could say things like, Good morning, Bajulian. How are you feeling this morning, Bajulian? Bajulian, what can I get you for breakfast? Bajulian, how is the phantom pain in the half of your body that you used to have before it got eaten by wolves, Bajulian? That ought to be nice. Yes, it's so nice when you get the name in there. Perform small acts of kindness. You know, pat a little doggy while he's watching so he knows how kind you are and wank into your own socks instead of his. There's plenty of opportunities around the house for small acts of kindness. So the next piece of advice from WikiHow is to avoid judgement. If you find yourself thinking, God, if only you had not been half-eaten by all of those wolves, we could be on a Baltic cruise right now. Don't say that. Say nice stuff, like his name, Bajulian, and tell him who you are into the side of his head that still has an ear. Now, I've also been told it's best to avoid touchy subjects, like, you know, how if he just listened to you and he said he thought you heard a howling noise outside, you wouldn't be in this mess right now. It's okay to think it, even okay to let the resentment build up, just don't say it out loud. The final piece of advice is to remember that some things that are considered nice in some cultures are rude in other cultures. So be sure to do some anthropological research before going to different countries so that you may politely enjoy the local customs. This is good advice. 
Once you've done plenty of anthropological research on Bajulian, smile as much as you can. I think he's going to stick around forever. Not least because he can't really go anywhere without your assistance at this point, because of the wolves, which you definitely didn't plant outside to make sure he would never leave you. The breadwinning problem is solved by all of the compensation he got for that horrible injury. Good night. Do you know, Miss Boys, I think you've gone and fixed it. Oh, cheers. It's cheaper than a murder dungeon. It's less unsettling than whatever Dave said. I think you and Bajulian have the possibility of many happy years together now. I well, wish he, you... he doesn't. Well, he'd be happy enough. He's on a lot of medication. We wish you and Bajulian well. If you've enjoyed this adviceful morsel, you can seek out more here or possibly have one of your very own. In order to do that, you just need to contact us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com. And if you've specially extra enjoyed it, why not leave a review on the iTunes?